Welcome back to the Retro Horror Academy. My name is Daniel Richardson, and today we're going to be looking at the Year in Horror 1923. I won't be honest with you, there was not a lot going on in 1923 as far as horror films go. Uh, in fact, there's only one film we're going to rank and award the uh, prestigious, most coveted award out there, the Golden Skull Award. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. The number one horror film of 1923 and winner of the Golden Skull Award is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, the storyline here is kind of got a couple of different plot you know, threads run through it. You got this uh, kind of a scumbag of a dude. His uh, brother is like a priest or something or a monk, one of the two. Um, but him and uh, the leader of the gypsies are kind of planning like, you know, this revolution, this revolt of uh, the poor, the peasants, you know, the gypsies, if you will, to rise up. And so that's kind of the, the first plot line. The other one is uh, the hunchback himself, Quasimodo, and he has kind of fallen for uh, the daughter of the lead king gypsy, or whatever you want to call him, uh, Esmeralda. So that's kind of, you know, the two plot lines there. So this film itself, this was a passion project of uh, Lon Chaney. Uh, he's been a big fan of the book, uh, Victor Hugo, I believe the guy's name, who wrote The uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. He's a big fan of, of the book, and you know he acquired the rights to it. Uh, he envisioned himself not only starring in the film, but also directing as well. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't find any uh, studios as willing to back this, because the scale, the you know, he, he was going for this grandioso, just epic feel to the, you know, to the the movie itself, and so he couldn't get really too many uh, studios as willing to kind of invest, but then he eventually did kind of give up the right, because he really wanted to focus more on the writer, or sorry, the uh, acting portion of this thing, and of course, you know, he goes all out when it comes to special effect makeup and all that stuff, and so once they found another director, that was when, you know, Universal came around, and uh, yeah, the movie was, you know, into production. Uh, However, right off the bat, Universal kind of went through a handful of directors. Uh, in fact, even one of them was actually uh, working while it was in production. They fired him because the entire time this film was in production, they just kept trying to keep the cost down, uh, keep the budget, you know, intact. However, this movie just kept going over budget. Like they were, they never quite achieved that at all. Because if you wa- look at this movie, the sets are so spectacular. I mean, the, the the buildings you see are like, you know, built to scale. You know, the cathedrals, the churches, the bell tower, all that stuff. It's, you know, massive statues. I mean, this thing is just so epic in scale. In fact, this was, uh, I believe this is the first film that Universal did that had like over a thousand uh, extras. Uh, so many extras, in fact, they had to expand their wardrobe uh department i forget by how many but we're talking like hundreds of people in the wardrobe department just because they want to make sure that all these outfits look authentic uh because this takes place like you know old school paris you know medieval era paris i guess and so they you know really wanting to you know pay all this attention to detail 
Not only that, this was actually the first film to use a uh, bullhorn and uh, the PA system uh, to kind of direct all the extras, which, you know, today is common practice. You see that now, but it all started with this film right here that, you know, got the megaphone out and started shouting into it. And yeah, it was very innovative at the time. Uh, so Lon Chaney, uh, like I said, he was uh, initially going to direct. He stepped out to act. Uh, the director, however, did not really uh, direct him at all. Uh, Lon Chaney knew exactly what he wanted to do with this character. He knew exactly where, you know, what was needed for the performance. And so he was kind of left to his own devices. And then uh, several sources even claimed that uh, he uh, basically directed the lead actress as well. Uh, talk about Lon Chaney directing uh, the girl who played Esmeralda. Sorry, I'm blanking on her name right now. Uh, but yeah, he uh, directed her as well. And so they were kind of left on their own. But then the director, oh, I'm blanking his name, Wallace Woozer, Woosley, Wallace, Wallace Woosley, something like that. Uh, you know, he, you know, took care of the rest. Um, you know, another thing to know here is the spectacular uh, makeup effects that, you know, Lon Chaney used to become Quasimodo. In fact, a lot of people said that, uh, yeah, he was almost barely recognizable at all on, on set. So, which is a, you know, credit to, you know, just his master craft, you know, as far as like effects artist still is. Um, the other thing about this was, is there's been, it is a lot of uh, conflicting reports, uh, that he, because of the makeup and the outfit he had to wear that he injured himself, playing Quasimodo, but then a lot of reports said that he was already injured coming into this, which I remember reading uh, the penalty uh, back in 1920, so three years before this, that he was actually injured himself on that one because the uh, he was playing a double amputee, and he had a special like, leg brace he had to wear, and so... I tend to kind of go with that one because, again, a lot of people corroborate that one that, you know, he got injured on the penalty instead of the hunchback of Notre Dame. So, either way, though, you know, do as a pro and just work through the fucking pain. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else to throw in there under, the, you know, when this thing was being built up. Uh, that's pretty much it. This movie comes out. It's a huge hit. It, it paid off, you know, going over budget, whatever it was. It paid off, and this was a massive hit. In fact, this was like the crown jewel uh, for Universal at the time. In fact, they wanted to make more movies like this. This was like the template. Uh, they called it a prestige picture, which I think is kind of funny that movies like this, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, later the fan of the opera, uh, was considered prestige. And we consider these like early horror classics, uh, which I, mean, I guess is debatable if you know, Hunchback of Notre Dame is flat out horror. I'll get into a little bit of that later on. But uh, either way, this, you know, this kind of, you know, set the tempo and, you know, kind of set the stage for what Universal want to do later. And the funny thing is, is, you know, these were kind of like horror pictures early on. It'd be the thirties when, you know, the rise of, you know, the Universal monster films would really kind of come up. So I just think it's very interesting that, you know, Universal is kind of built on horror films. I don't know. Something I thought was kind of neat right there. Um, so, yeah, this movie did really well. Uh, Lon Chaney, of course, he was a, a well-known actor before this. As I mentioned before, you know, he starred in The Penalty and a few other movies. Uh, but this really made him a household name. Like, this blew him up to superstardom right here. Uh, yeah, he became just an icon based on this alone. Uh, him and the director would work together again, as well as him and Universal. And as I mentioned before, you know, their next big project together would be... Uh, you know, the fan of the opera. So, you know, that was coming up in just two short years. Uh, so, you know, 
what do I think about this film? I absolutely thought it was great. I really did. Uh, you know, the thing is, if you're not really into short films, I don't know. Well, actually, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast right now because that's all we've been covering as of late was, uh, you know, the silent short, you know, era. But uh, as far as the silent movie goes, I don't know. It can always go two ways for me. Uh, a lot of time, you know, you watch it, it becomes a chore. It's like, damn it, this is just, there's, you know. Ah, I've seen my my fair share of silent films that were just boring to watch. Uh, this was not one of those though. This had a great story throughout. It kept you know kept your attention, uh, and I gotta say you know it looks great. Like the money was well spent. The production looks fantastic. Uh, you know everything just looks great. But it's really Lon Chaney's performance that really draws you in. Uh, you know I mentioned before. You know do you really count this as a horror film? You know most people don't. This is the first time I've actually ever seen any adaptation of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, I've never seen any of it. I never read the book. Never, you know, saw, you know, not even the Disney movie. The closest I ever came to watching the Hunchback of Notre Dame was there was an obscure comedy from 87 called uh, Big Man on Campus uh, about a hunchback on a college campus, but it's a comedy. And that's probably the closest I ever came to watching anything, you know, remotely like this. So, you know, I, I was really pleasantly surprised, much like I was with the Headless Horseman. I thought it was really well too, or really well done too. Uh, but as I mentioned before, you know, is, you know, it's debatable if this is considered horror, but this character he plays Quasimodo, I found a lot of parallels, parallels between this and, uh, the Phantom that he would play in you know a couple of years, they were both you know on one end they were very sympathetic you know you you, you kind of felt bad for them they're victim of circumstance they you know they're both I guess by you know visually they both look like monsters I guess you know uh, showing just how cruel society can be. However, on the flip side of that, they're also cruel murderers. Uh, here, Quasimodo, you know, he's a bad guy starting off. Like, yes, maybe society and his master kind of forced him into certain situations, but, you know, he kidnaps Esmeralda early on, like, viciously. And then when he's captured, it's only when he realizes that his master kind of ditched out on him that he kind of realizes, like, wait a minute, you fucked me on this one. Uh, and later on, you know, when he's doing his best to protect her, again, he's the good guy. But he goes overboard with it, and as you know, the you know the other army or whatever the the other gypsies show up to try to overthrow this church. You know, dude, he's like throwing these boulders down and you know molten lead, and ultimately like this giant like flat stone that just kills people. And he's laughing maniacally while he's doing it. So it's like, yeah, he's no saint. This isn't the Quasimodo from the Disney movie. Like this dude, he will straight up murder you if it means protecting the ones he loves. And like I said, I guess in that sense, this is kind of a horror film, I guess. Uh, stretching it, I would still kind of probably put any drama, but, you know, hey, we'll take it. Uh, Lon Chaney just kills it as Quasimodo. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend this to anybody who has not seen it. Uh, so to recap, the number one horror film of 1923 and the winner of the Golden Skull Award, it's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And it's well-deserved. I mean, seriously, just for Lon Chaney's performance alone, this definitely gets that Golden Skull. So there you have it. I want to thank you guys for joining me this week. Uh, and, of course, next week we'll go on to 1924. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, this has been the Retro Horror Academy. My name is Daniel Richardson, and you're dismissed.